Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Coming up on DTNS, the U.S. Supreme Court frees Google to use Oracle's API code, while Justice Thomas suggests maybe somebody should pass a law calling Facebook a common carrier. I mean, why not? And LG quits the mobile phone business. Kinshanil Gaya, LG. This is the Daily Tech News for Monday, April 5th, 2021 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Redwood, I'm Sarah Lane. Rich, that's you. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. For, from lovely Cleveland, I'm Rich Trafalino. And I'm Roger Chang, the shoe. <laughs> uh, we were just talking about Easter traditions and French Toast Pro. Uh, get that and more by becoming a patron <laughs> and getting good day internet at patreon.com slash DTNS. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. The New York Times sources say that Pinterest is in talks to acquire the photo platform Visco. Proposed terms of the deal were not disclosed, and Visco's last funding round in 2015 valued the company at $550 million. Question. Is Yahoo Answers shutting down? Favorite answer. Why are you even using it? Here's the site I like better. Next answer. I saw another sh- site shutting down recently. It's really sad to see sites shutting down. Next answer. Beautiful day, isn't it? <sighs> the real answer is that Yahoo Answers in operation since 2005 will be shut down on May 4th with posting disabled on April 20th. You have until June 30th to request your data with Yahoo advising, quote, you won't be able to download other users' content questions or answers, just your own. Microsoft confirmed it will hold its Build Developer Conference virtually from May 15th through the 27th. Microsoft has not yet updated its Build event page with any scheduled events for the conference or opened registration as of yet. Google now allows third-party developers to submit Android Auto apps in the navigation, parking, and charging categories to the Play Store. The company initially announced plans to expand the apps available in Android Auto back in August. Previously, they only let third parties submit messaging and media apps. The analysts at eMarketer report that in 2020, in-store mobile payments usage grew 29% in the U.S. to 92.3 million consumers using it at least once over a six-month period. 
The firm also estimates that this will grow in uh, this will grow 10 percent rather in 2021 and also predicts half of all smartphone users will use mobile payments by 2025. All right. Let's talk a little more about the Facebook breach you might have seen kicking around. Uh, In June 2020, a data set with personal information on more than 533 million Facebook accounts began to be offered for sale on a hacking forum or or. I don't like calling them hackers because hackers are sometimes good folks, uh, but on a forum for $30,000. After purchase, a private Telegram bot was set up to sell search access to the data. The data set included publicly available information scraped from profiles. So things like a Facebook ID, name, gender, location, relationship status, occupation, date of birth, private mobile numbers associated with the accounts, were included as well. Facebook subsequently confirmed the data was obtained in 2019 through a now-patched vulnerability in Facebook's Add Friend feature that let you gain access to members' phone numbers. So that's how the phone number part got in there. Everything else was pretty easily available otherwise. Over the weekend, the data set started to be offered for free on the same site that was initially charging for it. Egypt, Tunisia, Italy, and the U.S. had the most users listed, each with more than 30 million, with hundreds seven countries included overall. The data breach notification service Have I Been Pwned has been updated to check if your account was impacted. And it's worth repeating, this is not a new data set, uh, or except for the phone number, even particularly private information. The significance is that it is collected in an easy to access way. And the significance today over last year is that it's now made available for free. So anybody can get at it. This will make it easy to conduct targeted phishing attacks where you know a person's name and country and just need their phone number. And Troy Hunt points out it is gold for spam based on phone number. Oh, man. I know. The phone number spam. Oh, I mean, that's... That was my takeaway from this is like, yeah, I mean, this is, it is what it is. But if somebody has my phone number and they're going to be calling me and on any given day at any given time, that is annoying at best. It, it, it's, it's worse, <laughs> you know, it, it could be worse than that, but this is, this is actually just, it's just a, it's just a bunch of information that's out there that shouldn't be. Yeah, and really the thing that jumps out, I mean, obviously, you know, you see 500 million accounts impacted by this. I I mean, that's like, quite honestly, like it's become very easy to become numb to uh, these kind of even new data breaches at this point because we see them so regularly. You just have to go to Have I Been Pwned and look at the volume of of data sets that they just have on there. Um, It definitely is. I I mean, like the the ultimate impact of this is that, I guess, potentially lower quality uh, uh, actors that wish to do harm with this information now have access to it. You know, it's sold for $30,000. Now it's, you know, then it's sold to a telegram up for considerably less. It's effective, you know, it, it's free now. Um, not again, not the end of the world uh, again, though, social enduring can be pernicious and horrible. And I, you know, people find horrible ways to use this information. So not great that it's out there. I don't think it's as, um, you know, uh, all the headlines that said, you know, half a billion people have, you know, data impacted. Yes, the scale is bad. The not, not new information, not that bad. And 
it's it's important to to separate the the fud from the facts. Uh, I think the the facts here are you should be aware if you're in this data breach, so that when someone contacts you out of the blue and has all this information, you have it in your head like, oh, but they could have got it from Facebook, right? Because my information was in that breach. Uh, it's it's all about being able to protect yourself. There's nothing in here particularly that allows them to do something without your knowledge and cooperation. It's it's really more about harassment, spam, phishing, etc. LG Electronics Board of Directors approved a plan to shut down the company's mobile communications business, which makes it smartphones. LG plans to fully close down the division by the end of July. LG was in the cell phone game long before the rise of smartphones, you may recall, making high-end feature phones like the LG Chocolate and LG Prada in the mid-2000s. The company was fairly early to adopt Android, releasing its first device with the OS in November of 2009, and becoming a partner with Google on well-regarded Nexus devices, like the Nexus 5, the Nexus 6, and the Nexus 5X. But the company's mobile division was unable to generate a profit in recent years with operating losses of over 5 trillion won, that's about 4.4 billion US dollars since 2015. Counterpoint research estimates that in Q3 of 2020, LG had 1.91% of global market share. Not a big market share. Some analysts blame a lack of leverage over chip supplies as one of the contributing factors to the LG to the, to, to the LG mobile handsets demise. Also, LG will continue to develop mobile technology in other areas like 6G. It will provide service support and software updates for existing products over a period of time. And we wouldn't be too surprised if the name is licensed to another manufacturer, as has been done by Nokia and BlackBerry. I mean, valid efforts, right? Uh, LG with the with the scrollable screen, even of late, uh, trying to bring innovation to the market. That will be missed, perhaps because some of that stuff comes from LG Display, uh, a separate company, uh, but in the same you know umbrella group. Uh, perhaps that that will continue to to happen. They'll still innovate. They'll just be innovating for other companies instead of making their own models. But uh, it is the end of an era. And like you mentioned, Sarah, we've we've seen, you know, the dominance of Nokia and BlackBerry. Man, back in 2004, uh, it was it was Nokia and BlackBerry were the top sellers of phones. And it looked like they would that would never end. Uh, LG was up there then. And uh, and they survived quite a bit longer than I think maybe some other people expected. They certainly outlasted Nokia and BlackBerry. Uh, I I sometimes look at Samsung and Apple. Uh, up there at the top of the charts and think, oh my gosh, it looks like they're unassailable, yeah. that they'll never end. But <laughs> all things do come to an end. So it's a it's a matter of when, not if. Listen, LG makes some beautiful refrigerators. <laughs> you know? I have an LG and washing machine. It's very nice. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so do I. Uh, um, or I did at my last apartment, however. I never had an LG mobile phone. Um, I, 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 but I, I remember not that long ago it being a, oh, this is, this is a premium brand. I mean, they made nice phones and I think it, it, it's really sort of a, I don't know, a matter of the market getting saturated enough and the company being undercut to the point that they just couldn't, couldn't compete in this particular arena. Yeah. It seems to me that, uh, initially, you know, uh, it was, you know, seen as Samsung and, you know, uh, 
Samsung, LG, Motorola, uh, HTC, you know, in the early days of Android were, were kind of the big players in, in, those, in those markets. Um, and, you know, Samsung very clearly kind of staked out, I think, the high end successfully, obviously, with their, their Samsung line of phones. And then the rise of, you know, and, and we've seen Motorola have these same struggles, we've seen HTC have these same struggles, right? This is, you know, LG is not the, the first one to kind of struggle to figure out this market. We've seen the rise of, um, you know, uh, Chinese manufacturers. Um, you know, I, I think in 2015, um, we might have still, you know, been like, oh, this Xiaomi, you know, they're up and comers and they're, they're really making uh, waves back then. I would have to go back and check the copy on that. But uh, you know, you, you can look at the huge impact they've had, not just in China, but in India, uh, the EU and stuff like that, as kind of staking out that kind of premium uh, mid to low range, really, where you're getting a lot of features for not a lot of money in those markets. LG of late just kind of seemed to just want to be a weird lab to see what would catch on. You know, they were doing uh, DAX in phones. They were doing that dual display phone. They were doing that wing phone, uh, which I don't even know if that ever came out, but it, it looked like a, it was an interesting idea. I don't know if they ever, uh, you know, if, if as of late they they really considered that like, hey, this is going to catch on, and, and we're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna light some fire there. Yeah, and uh, and Sarah, I think you pointed it out. Uh, one of the big things is that LG didn't have chip leverage like Samsung and even Apple uh, does by designing their own chips, and they they didn't have uh, they didn't have a, a, a feature phone plan after a while. They really bet on the high end of the market almost too much, and. BBK Electronics, those are the folks. BBK Electronics includes Oppo, Vivo, OnePlus, Realme, and iChu. Uh, and those are, like, when you look at the top five, three of those are in the top five uh, of, of mm -hmm. cell phones. So BBK Electronics, you know, had the right idea. They had the regional uh, advantage with being near chip manufacturing in China or, or assembly plants in China. So, yeah, uh, I think it's, this LG is going to be fine. They're going to be fine. Just handsets was not going to be their thing. All right, let's talk about the Google Oracle case. An API, if you don't know, is a description of how to work with a program. Uh, ZDNet quotes MuleSoft CTO Uri Sarid describing it, uh, describing protecting an API like copywriting the instructions for using an ATM. So if I told you, oh, uh, you walk up, slide your card in and punch your code in the keyboard, I would violate the copyright of the ATM maker. It doesn't make any sense. Maybe you patent that, but that's not, that's not something that you can copyright. So... Uh, APIs for a long time have been considered to be uncopyrightable. That has recently been put to the test. And when I say recently, I mean for 10 years. Google <laughs> and Oracle have been fighting in court about whether 11,500 lines of code in the Oracle API uh, or, or 11,500 lines of code representing 37 APIs in Android violate Oracle's copyright. Google developed these APIs themselves in order to make Java work, but Oracle claimed, and they were right, that the structure, sequence, and organization mimicked Oracle's API, and then Oracle also claimed that it violated copyright. Now, the copying is, in fact, not at issue. Everybody knows they copied it. Uh, whether, whether Google developed it themselves or not, the courts have determined this is a copy. The case here at the Supreme Court was conducted to determine if Google's infringement, their copying, was a fair use. In the United States, fair use provides a defense. If your infringement is for a certain purpose, like educational reasons, or meets other criteria, like you just took a very small amount, 
or you're not undermining the marketplace, or it's transformative in some way, you can say, even though it technically infringe, I'm not guilty of a copyright infringement because I have a fair use defense. And the U.S. Supreme Court ruled Monday that Google had a fair use defense. Justice Stephen Breyer wrote for the 6-2 majority, quote, as part of an interface, the copied lines are inherently bound together with uncopyrightable ideas and the creation of new creative expression. So the court ruled that Google only used the IP API in so much as to let Java programmers build Android apps, which was found to be a transformative use. The 11,500 lines of code in question represent 0.4% of the 2.86 million lines of code in the entire Java API. So it's a very small amount. Breyer compared that to the gas pedal in a car telling the car to move faster. Something you might be able to patent, but the idea of which would not be copyrightable. Copyright is meant to promote new ideas by giving protection to them so that creators are incentivized to create. And fair use is meant as a balance to make sure that copyright protection does not suppress more new ideas than it encourages. Justice Breyer identified that Google's use of the API code enabled new creative expression, Android apps, that would not have existed otherwise. The justice wrote, quote, The upshot in our view is that fair use can play an important role in determining the lawful scope of a computer program copyright. Now, writing for the dissent, Justice Clarence Thomas, joined by Justice Alito, criticized the majority for not ruling on whether declaring code in an API is protected by copyright. They just jump past that. Like, let's assume, we're not going to rule on that. Let's assume it's copyrightable. We think there's a fair use defense here. Justice Thomas thinks addressing that copyright issue would show that Google's actions were not fair use, hence the dissent. But the majority opinion here, six to two, is that uh, the limited amount of use that Google made of the API is not a copyright violation. Well, shoot. Uh, This has been going on for some time, as you mentioned, Tom, a decade. Uh, And yeah, I think really, I mean, Oracle and Google both have, uh, they, they, they both have good arguments here. And, and the idea that Google saying, well, sure. Yes, we, we copied this code. This is something that we did, but you can't call this a copyright violation well, the Supreme Court uh, agreed with them. And I also, I have to say, not that the Supreme Court isn't, you know, well-versed on these issues, but this is, I mean, it's a very nuanced thing. I would love to know what was going on in the chambers, you know, where they were like, what do we think? What do we think here? <laughs> Oracle or Google <laughs> in, the, in this situation, you know, knowing what we know, because it is a, it's a it kind of a, it's a messy deal. The one thing that stood out to me, though, is that uh, this over did overturn, right, Tom, a lower court ruling. Right. That the lower court had ruled it was Oracle. not a fair use, and Supreme Court overturned okay. that. Yeah. 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 So, so I mean, I think that's why there was a lot, you know, um, uh, there, I, 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 you know, there was a lot riding on how this case would come out. And so I'm glad we have some, we, you know, we have a final to the Supreme Court. There's no appeal. Um it is interesting that there wasn't, I guess, a wider present. This was uh, relatively narrow in the scope, at least you know, compared to what uh, Justice Thomas uh, wanted to see. Um, so, but interesting that you know, this was not a foregone conclusion, right? I mean, I think sometimes you know we think, well, if, you know, it makes sense to me that it's only 0.2 percent of the code, so of course, why, how could that fall under copyright? But 
other courts did not see it the same way. And and the decision was based on it being transformative, not on the amount of code. Uh, mm, so yeah. even though it was a small amount of code, that was not the basis for the fair use defense. The fair use defense was, hey, an API is just a description of how you use your thing. They're still using Java, and the people using Java are still dealing with Oracle. Uh, it's just <laughs> you're saying, hey, Java can – you can declare that, hey, Java, if you want to work, here's where, where you'll work. Uh, that should not be copyrighted uh, because it reduces innovation. Hey, folks, would you like a DTNS hat, a hoodie, a mask, or a mouse pad? We have all that and more at the Daily Tech News Show store. You find it by going to dailytechnewsshow.com slash store. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com the claude 3 model family from anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise ai with models at every point on the price performance curve you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model in the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Oh, you thought we were done talking about the U.S. Supreme Court, did you? Well, we're not. Uh, (laughs) The U.S. Supreme Court has vacated a lower court ruling which had said that the president acted unconstitutionally when blocking followers on Twitter. Uh, The reason it was vacated is because the president in question is no longer in office. So the question is literally moot. This is what moot means. (laughs) Uh, This this case doesn't matter anymore. It's a fairly mundane and uncontroversial ruling. But in a concurrence, Justice Clarence Thomas, again, this is in a concurrence. He's agreeing. It's like, oh, yeah, this is moot. In a concurrence, Justice Clarence Thomas took the opportunity to argue that social media platforms might qualify as common carriers. Thomas wrote, A traditional telephone company laid physical wires to create a network connecting people. Digital platforms lay information infrastructure that can be controlled in much the same way. 
Now, keep in mind, if something is deemed a common carrier, it does not have the right to exclude, right? If you're a common carrier, you have to accept all the packages on your network or all the trains on your railroads or whatever it is. Justice Thomas suggests, quote, if the analogy between common carriers and digital platforms is correct, he's not asserting is it, it is, but he's saying if it is, then an answer may arise for dissatisfied platform users who would appreciate not being blocked, laws that restrict the platform's right to exclude. He's saying, hey, folks who are upset about Twitter blocking people, here's what you can do. Justice Thomas also argues that Facebook and Google hold outsized market power over speech, even if there are alternatives, writing, quote, A person always could choose to avoid the toll bridge or train and instead swim the Charles River or hike the Oregon Trail. But in assessing whether a company exercises substantial market power, what matters is whether the alternatives are comparable. For many of today's digital platforms, nothing is. Points for the Oregon Trail reference, uh, Justice (laughs) Thomas. And uh, what he's saying is, sure, you can talk elsewhere outside of Facebook, but it's kind of hard to have the same impact if you do. In the end, Justice Thomas says it's up to the legislative branch to enact laws about what is and is not a common carrier and that it doesn't apply to the case he's writing about. But, you know, while he had your attention, he just (laughs) thought he'd bring it up because he says, quote, We will soon have no choice but to address how our legal doctrines apply to highly concentrated, privately owned information infrastructure, such as digital platforms. Uh, This this is a weird concurrence because it's Justice Thomas just saying, you know what? I just want to talk about this while I have a chance. Oh, boy. (laughs) Well, I got your ear. Where to start? Where to start? I mean, the idea of Facebook being a common carrier, you know, on one hand, I'm like, that's ludicrous. But on the other hand, I'm like, "Mm, it makes a lot of sense depending on who you are and how you communicate with people and how you consider that to be your lifeline, really. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you run a small business, like I do feel like there is a legitimate case of being like, you know, we have to have a presence on this. You know, this is such a ubiquitous platform that we have to have some kind of presence or people will not think we are open or something like that. Mm. It is very bizarre. I mean, kind of going back to the last case, it would be like if in that decision they talked about why like Microsoft's Windows license couldn't be copied. Like, you know, like it, 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 it's so far afield. And I know he establishes that this doesn't apply, but like if 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 common carrier status doesn't apply to one like i guess of the major online platform it's like the scope of twitter is no, is like an order of magnitude less than when we're talking about the reach of facebook and and google uh is specifically kind of what he's what he's kind of laying out here which makes it i, I you know, I, I, at the one hand, it's a very interesting idea, and we've we've kind of become familiar with this with the whole uh, uh, net neutrality, um, you know, uh, reclassification that we've kind of gone back and forth on now uh, over the last ten years as well. Um, so, like, we're we're a little bit more familiar with that than I think we might have been. Interesting idea, just seems to be coming out of the blue. Obviously, setting the precedent for. If this comes before me, you'll know how I'll how I'll look at this. You know, keep in mind, he's not saying. I should decide if it's no, a common yeah. carrier because that's not how it works. I think a lot of people misinterpret this. It's like, oh, he's saying bring a court case to me about this with mm. Facebook and I'll rule in a – no, he's not. In fact, he may very well rule that Facebook is not a common carrier given the current laws. What he's mm-hmm. saying is the legislature gets to determine what is and is not a common carrier. And the legal test 
for whether the law is constitutional or not, uh, would decide whether it should count. And what so what he's saying here it might be a little subtle is, hey, legislature, pass a law that defines a common carrier as someone with a big market dominance over communication online, call it a common carrier, and the courts will be able to support you. And I think he's right. Uh, He's not saying that it is a common carrier right now. He's saying it could be if the legislature passed a law and that law would pass constitutional muster. I know that's kind of nebulous there, but it's it's a weird place for him to make that argument, but you know, Supreme Court justices don't have blogs, so this is what they and do. It does very much pivot, kind of the traditional um, dynamic that we've seen over the past couple of years, where most of this conversation that we've been having is around Section Two Hundred and Thirty platforms versus publishers, and this kind of changes how you can you can orient yourself to look at possibly to look at these platforms. If there is future legislation um, to, to, you know, to, to, I guess, to actually make that a thing. Well, I don't know the last time y'all went to spacejam.com, but <laughs> it's been around since 1996. Oh, yes, it is. It is an old school URL. 25 years later, the sequel film called Space Jam, A New Legacy, starring LeBron James, has replaced the URL spacedam.com to showcase the new movie's first trailer. But if you say, well, hold on a second, (laughs) I really liked that old website. It's been around since 1996. The original website has a new URL at spacedam.com slash 1996. Yeah, back several years ago, uh, the fact that Space Jam had not been updated since 1996 uh, became an internet meme, uh, and and it kind of percolates back up every so often with people talking about how amazing it is that that's still there. It's still online. The server's still there. Uh, it's up there with a, a few other long-lasting uh, websites. And so, yeah, the idea that there's now a new Space Jam movie and they, they need SpaceJam.com <laughs> to, to make way you know, for LeBron and the modern Space Jam uh, almost lost us a piece of internet history right there with lg phones and yahoo answers today Uh, thank you space jam 1996 people it does it does warm my heart that i can still go online and get an extremely uh (laughs) low resolution aiff audio file of michael jordan saying a line from that movie like it just as as someone who customized all of the notification sounds on my Windows 95 machine with clips that I would pull from stuff like that, like it it just it warm it warms my heart. It's pure nostalgia, just like much like in, in <laughs> people still being interested in the original Space Jam is probably mostly <laughs> pure nostalgia. I mean, uh, but like it, I, I'm it, I mean, it's, get it. it's an iconic movie. People yeah. love this movie. <laughs> it's an iconic. It, yeah. it's certainly it certainly is to some people, Sarah. It certainly is. And it joins, you know, <laughs> I, it, I say this never having seen it. I'm sorry. I've never seen it. Uh, but uh, but yes, I, I know the Space Jam memes. I get it. I get that people care about this and the fact that the URL was around for so long before it got messed with everyone, you know, deep breath. You've got a new place. Just if, go slash 1996. If, if you still want some original vintage website thrills, the Dole Kemp uh, 1996 presidential campaign website is still available for you to go and, and check out text versions of all of their TV ads. Uh, if that's if that's what somebody's a space jam. It's your, 
Get your jollies. <laughs> All right, folks, let's check out the mailbag. Let's do it. This one comes from Stuart, the watch lives Cooper from Melbourne, Australia, who says your conversation last week about rugged uh, phones, the Caterpillar rugged phone seems to be firmly aimed at firefighters, water resistant, spray resistant, and a flur. This gives fireys. I think that's what Stuart is calling firefighters. Maybe it's a, a slang term in Australia. A quick way to hot spotting fires when they don't have ready access to dedicated equipment. Yours from the emergency side. Uh, yeah, thank you, Stuart. Uh, this is definitely being marketed towards construction sites, but if it's not also being marketed to fireys, uh, it should be. You're you're absolutely right, and <laughs> and it's marketed in multiple industrial situations. So I I, I can't yeah. imagine it it isn't also being marketed there. But well well spotted, uh, fire spotter Stewart. Thanks, Stuart. Um, if you have anything that you spot in any of our shows or feedback or questions or anything in between, please send that email to feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We love to hear from you. Also, shout out to patrons at our master and grandmaster levels. Today, they include Philip Shane, Erwin Stir, and Pat Sheeran. Also, thanks to our brand new bosses, we have a few of them today. Matt Trino, Logan Larson, Ari Takalo, Ziad Fuzan, and uh, and everyone else who might be thinking about that <laughs> just started backing us on Patreon. So thank you to our new bosses. We are also live on this show Monday through Friday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. Find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. And we are back tomorrow doing it all again with Peter Wells. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.